Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 39 and this is a special treat of a Q&A because I'm actually joined by my coaching partner James Teagle who as you probably know also coaches for Scientific Triathlon. So there's two of us coaches here and uh, in this episode, we get together to discuss around a couple of, uh, of questions. One that came from one of James's athletes and one uh, listener question that was sent in on Facebook or email. Uh, so we'll get right into that after thanking our sponsors. First, big thanks to Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. So interesting news, me and Andy Blow from Precision Hydration have scheduled a recording in early to mid-July, I think for a hydration Q&A episode. So uh, we want to get in a lot of your questions about hydration and uh, how it relates to triathlon, to performance, to, to everyday life even. So anything and everything that relates to hydration or just if you have any, uh, any questions for Andy because he's a, a great guy and very knowledgeable in endurance sports in general, of course you can send them through but we'll probably give preference to the hydration questions. So, uh, so send them in on michael at scientifictriathlon.com and I'll put them in the list for questions that we will try to get through on that Q&A episode when we record it and wait for that episode i think late july or early august or so if in the meantime you want to learn more about your hydration your sweat rate and your sweat sodium content and how it can impact your performance go to precisionhydration.com take their free online sweat test and if you want to try to optimize your hydration with their electrolyte products use the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps to get your first box or tube for free and a big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Roka are the world leaders in wetsuits, dry suits, swim apparel, and high performance eyewear. They have a really amazing team of uh, product developers and, and product engineers that, that really go to the nth degree to, to make sure that each and every one of their products redefines the standard in performance in whatever product category that is. And the number of patents that they have on some of their technologies that just goes to show how seriously they take that R&D process and, and making things super, super fast. So check out all their stuff. I highly recommend things like the Maverick wetsuit line and uh, the Gen 2 Aero tri-suit. Uh, those are two of my favorites, but there are plenty of other things to go and look at. And you can get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. So let's get into my discussion with uh, James and the uh, questions for this episode. So James, you got this uh, great question from, from one of your coached athletes that, uh, that I thought might be really good to, to answer in a Q&A podcast like this. So can you, can you read this question and who was it from and what, what is the question? Uh, yeah, so I had a question from, from one of my athletes who, who has a bit, a bit more time on their, on their hands uh, and you know, has the potential to train a bit more, but is you know, relatively new to sport. And, you know, just, just wanted to gauge how much training I should do. So, so the question was, you know, how, how much training should I be doing, uh, basically, you know, because, because I have quite a lot of time available. Um, so, you know, my response to that was, you know, well, how good do you want to be? So obviously, you know, you've got a lot of time available to train. Um, it kind of depends, you know, you train more. Generally, the gist does. There's, there's no professional athlete out there who's doing less than 20 hours a week worth of training. And that's because, you know, you need that aerobic benefit uh, from, from the long, slow, steady sessions. 
to be to be a good athlete. That, that's not to say that you need to be doing that much volume to to do triathlon. Just that much volume you need to do to be competitive. So no, a short a short response to that would be you know, like like I just said, well how how good do you want to be? What are your aims? You know, and what are, what are your priorities in life? So you know, this is this is a bit of a minefield really. Uh, but it does it does just come down to that. So so how good do you want to be? If you want to be a professional athlete. You know, if you want to be competing as a pro, uh, then you need to be training, you know, 30 hours a week. But if, if you want to be just competitive in your age group, uh, you know, around 12 hours a week, you, you can get away with uh, if you're racing Olympic distance triathlon. Obviously, if you're racing longer distances, such as Ironman, you know, you do tend to put, need to put in slightly more. You know, you don't have to. Uh, some people have done it unless, but it's, it's more efficient to, to do slightly more training and, and you'll definitely get more out of that. Um, so that's my very brief response to that um I'll, I'll delve into that a bit more so you know if you are looking yeah i have a, i have a couple of comments to this i i, total, I totally agree 100 percent uh one thing that you haven't heard this yet when we record this uh because the interview hasn't been released yet but i interviewed alan cousins and that will be the the episode prior to this q a and he mentions there that pretty much anybody regardless of genetics can can get to kona if they do uh, the proper amount of training and and the right and that is the right training, so uh, so he talks about uh, about a thousand hours per per year. If you do that, then and you're not getting to Kona, then you're then you're doing something wrong. Uh, he's not saying that that happens necessarily in the first year. You might need to build up a, a base depending on where where you're coming from and do that for several years to to really see it kick in. But but that goes to show that if you're actually Putting in the volume, putting in 1,000 hours per year for several years, you can at least get to the Kona, Kona qualifying level. So that gives a benchmark to for, for athletes to shoot for, whereas the getting to the professional level, even if you are putting in the 30 hours per week, uh, there is sort of a, a genetic ceiling that uh, that may come against you, even if, uh, even if you are putting in the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's completely true. I mean, so yeah, you're right. I mean, how many how many people have have the time to start for start with to put to put in uh, that much training? Uh, and you've, you've obviously limited down the field quite considerably there. But then, yeah, you're right. If you're putting a thousand hours a year, you should you should be getting to Kona. If if not, you're you're doing something wrong. It just it comes down to you know what are your priorities and responsibilities. So if you're motivated to to get to Kona and you want to qualify, you know that that's motivating you enough. Then then for sure. You know, you you should be able to do that off a thousand hours, but you've got to put in those a thousand hours, or you know, maybe slightly less than that to to do that. Of course, um, but then if your priorities are, you know, you just want to do triathlon, you know, you enjoy the sport, you enjoy the camaraderie, you enjoy the training, but potentially, you know, you don't want it to take over your life because you have other responsibilities. Maybe you have other hobbies. You know, you've got a family. Then then there isn't so much of a necessity to to do that training because. You know, the, first of all, the motivation isn't there, and you know that isn't a problem because you know everyone should have to train uh, that much. You know, um, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think an- another thing that comes into this is uh, you need to think about what you can sustain long term without getting burnt out, not necessarily physically, but but mentally as well, and and stress stress management wise. So, for example. Personally, I could do 25-hour training weeks if I really optimized everything to to fit in around my training. I find that that just gets mentally a bit too difficult for me, but I know that I can do 20 hours very sustainably week in, week out. And then some weeks I have a bit more time and can do 
22, 23, 24 hours, and then some weeks when I when I have some a lot of other obligations, then I might drop down to to 17, 18 hours. But I know that that 20 hour mark is a sweet spot where I can really stay week in week in week out, and and both physically and mentally, it feels good. I suppose I suppose you're actually a really good case study for this, Michael, because um, last year I know that you know you were training around that 25 hour mark. You know, you were putting in the training, and then yeah, you're right. Um, you know, potentially you did do a bit a bit too much training. Um, you know, just because you got a bit uh, burnt out. You know, from from what you were telling me anyway. Definitely, um, yeah. And actually, you know, you seem to be. You know, <laughs> we should really just do a podcast um, on you as, as a case study of actually how 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 you should optimize the training, and how you should you should choose. You know, what are your responsibilities? You know, what are your priorities? Uh, for someone like yourself, obviously, you know, you, you're you're going to Ironman Seventy Point Three Worlds. You know, and obviously that was a big uh, responsibility for you know a big goal for yourself, and you know something, a big uh, something that was a high up your priority list. But then obviously, you know, and you know a lot of the listeners will be in a similar boat here. Is you know you've got you got other things such as you know such as your work that were also high up your priority list. Um, so yeah, it's just about balancing it out. And you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, seventeen, eighteen hours a week because your priorities are higher that week in other aspects of your life is is reasonable um you know you are human and stress is stress you know obviously you've got workout stress and you know stressing your muscles stressing your bones etc but you know ultimately your body feels the stress and you can't you can't hold that stress together for forever uh, at some point it's just going to come along and you know you're just not going to be able to do it anymore and you know if i remember rightly last year you just said you know, i just got completely burnt out um I had to take a bit of a step back before I went forward again, uh, and that's exactly what will happen if if you just if you put too much too much work in, too many hours, uh, you know, because it might feel sustainable physically, but actually mentally, it just falls apart uh, all of a sudden. And you know, uh, I've had experience of this as well. Whereas you know, you think it's going really well, and then all of a sudden, you know, you just put you've done too much, you can't hold it together, and everything just starts to fall apart. Your training starts to fall apart. And, you know, you just feel really tired all the time and, you know, it just becomes a real dragon. Actually, if, if your motivation is enjoyment, uh, because, you know, let's be honest, no one really does triathlon. Well, some people do for the challenge, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you shouldn't really be be doing this amount of training, you know, even if you're talking 17, 18 hours a week, if you don't enjoy it, it's got to be something you enjoy because actually, you know, you spend a lot of your life doing it, um, you know, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have a job that you enjoy, uh, that's great. You know, you're spending, what, 30, 40 hours a week doing that. But, you know, you don't want to spending uh, 17, 18 hours a week doing something, in, you know, not everyone has to do that much amount, that much training, but doing something that, that you don't want to be doing in addition to, to a job potentially you don't want to be doing as well. Um, you know, cause suddenly your life becomes something that, you, you know, you really don't want to, you're doing filling up things you don't want to do. So you've got to enjoy it. And, you know, it all comes down to that balance of enjoying enjoying the training uh, because because you're putting in the, the right amount of hours proportional to what you have available in your life and, and what your priorities are absolutely and that uh, i guess leads us into uh, an interesting thing that we could talk about which is how quickly can you or should you step up your volume so i don't know how much your athlete is currently training who asked this question uh, but uh, can you fill us in on that and use that as an example and and then how you would suggest if she has the motivation to train more, how would you go about ramping up that training volume in a in a sensible manner so that uh, so that you don't run into issues where the training amount suddenly is unsustainable, whether it's mentally or or physically or for any other reason? 
So this athlete I'm talking about is is a you know she is a, a beginner well not a beginner she's been doing triathlon over a year now but but she was a beginner who um, actually ended up getting burnt out uh, with a previous coach uh, just did too much too soon so that would definitely um, influence my response if if it was her asking this question but generally um, you know you need to you need to build it up consistently you know there's no point in going. Any larger than really, I'd say ten percent increases, you know, around around that mark. And that's ten percent per week, or what are we talking? Ten percent per week uh, of volume. So ten percent work per week of volume. You know, anything more than that, it is. And obviously, you know, if you're talking <laughs> six hours, ten percent is is a lot less than if you're talking twelve hours. Um, so that that's a rough uh, rule of thumb. But but generally, um, you know, it's it's about being sustainable. So not not increasing too much too soon. You know, if I was to suddenly go from giving an athlete 10 hours a week to, to 20 hours a week, regardless of how they, they cope with that physically. Um, you know, the mental stress of just trying to fit that in your week, because let's be honest, people fill their time. And, you know, you got, you got to find the time to do it. You know, even if you're not busy, you'd have filled it with with hobbies and, you know, things that you, you know, potentially have started to commit to. Um, so, you, you know, you can't just dump that many hours on someone. Uh, it's it's got to be re- reasonable and realistic. Um, so it'll be a general trend over time. You know, and it's not just about about the rule of thumb here. It's you know because because of the coaching we do, it's about the communication of the athlete. So actually keeping in, you know, is this sustainable? You know, having a look at what the training they're doing. You know, and if you're coaching yourself, be honest with yourself about you know what what training have I achieved? Has it been has it been manageable? Have I ticked off all the sessions this week despite putting the volume up? You know, be you know, two hours, one hour, um, and so much. You know, if you've done that and you felt fairly reasonable doing it, and you feel like um, you know there's progression on to the next stage then then you're able to put the volume up a bit more um obviously it's not just not just completely volume focused um there's got to be a, a purpose to to why you're putting that volume in but um but that that's the general gist of 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 where i'm going with that does that make sense yeah yeah exactly it does and and with that communication one of the things that even without directly asking the athlete that that i can see whether a ramp is sustainable or not uh, usually is, is if I look at the training peaks uh, ratings, the smiley faces that the athletes give to to their sessions, if they keep being mostly the positive smiling faces and not the frowning faces, then then that uh, generally gives a general idea that that the athlete can can handle that uh, ramp up when when we are ramping up training training um, volume. Yeah, I mean the, the smiley face features. Uh, obviously, it's still you know what was it several months ago it came in. Yeah. Um, you know, I found that really useful uh, on training peaks great but then um i think it's also important to, to add some context to it as well so you, know, you might be getting frowny faces because because the athlete is really stressed because because of another event um you know such as you know maybe maybe something's going on in their home life that, that is stressing them out like like we like we spoke about earlier you know stress is is stress you know whether it's training stress or daily life stress you're still going to feel like you're still going to feel tired from it um so I think the smiley face uh, or the sad face feature is, is really, really good feature, but sometimes it is, is worth having a bit more context to that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with, with that stress and, and stress being stress, that's one thing that I, that I thought of as well that we should bring up here is that even if you, you, can, you can get by doing, let's say, 20 hours per week, but if your amount of life stress or stress that you have from other sources uh, is very big then it might be that well you're not getting overtrained you're not getting completely burnt out but are you actually adapting to that training in some cases it might make make sense to to cut training down to let's say 16 hours per week in this example 
And then that's when the athlete can start actually adapting to the training because you free up a little bit of white space, a little bit, bit of margin in their life that, that helps them actually adapt to the training and not be so much like over the limits of where super conversation can take place actually so so that's another thing to consider it's not just about can you can you do the training it's about can you can you positively adapt to the training and that, that's the difference between i suppose uh, an elite athlete who's you know a professional athlete who's their sole life you know all they have to do in life is is train uh and obviously that gives them the recovery time because you know they're able just to chill out between sessions uh and, and do nothing and you know I've I've done that and I can tell you you know it's actually the training is great but it's actually pretty boring <laughs> because you know you you're just sat around you know obviously trying to make the most of your time uh, but actually you know if you're recovering you're recovering so you need to make that as relaxing as possible so if you're someone who's who's really you know <laughs> who wants to do things um then then actually that that can be quite hard but then if you're if you're someone who obviously, you know, and, and coming into this question, we're, we're looking at this, you know, for someone who has unlimited time, so maybe is retired or, or you know, is, is lucky enough to have enough money that they don't need to work, um, then then that's something you be, need to bear in mind. Um, you know, because actually, if you want to train, you know, 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week, you need to make sure there's enough recovery time in there. Um, whereas, you know, if you're, if you're working, then obviously, like you just said, um, you need to make sure that you know, you, you're still having a recovery time. Obviously, you're not going to have as much as the elite athlete who's just sat around between sessions. Um, uh, does, does that answer the question, or have I just blabbered on too much? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and when and if you are somebody who who are, are investing twenty twenty five hours uh, per week in your training, then you also should be able to invest some money in your recovery. I think, like seeing a massage therapist regularly, because otherwise you're very likely to break your body down too much because that is a lot of a lot of training for the body to handle so and uh, and it just gives you more time to, to focus on newer things such as you know the, the strength work uh you know you had, the, you had the great podcast a couple of weeks ago um i'm not sure when this is going to go on but uh yeah um a couple of weeks ago i think it's like 183 or something you had you had the strength and conditioning uh podcast so that kind of thing you know it frees up more time to do that it frees up more time to actually think about your nutrition plan your nutrition properly you know make sure you're getting you know that those pay, post uh post-session recovery you know drinks uh you know getting the amount of carbs in you need uh to recover getting the protein in you know which which is obviously a consideration the more hours you do the, the more important that, that nutrition is um so you know if you look at the research into it actually um you know i was fairly surprised when i saw this but you know that golden window actually you know does does it really exist um you know if you're training more 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 than once a day then then it, it's crucial that that you get that in whereas if you're just training once a day um it, it becomes less crucial because you don't need to recover between sessions um but still you know if you want to recover faster you need to get that nutrition in uh as, as soon as possible yes yes yeah so th- there's a lot to consider there uh, let's uh, jump into the next question which is from uh, gabriel in brazil who writes uh uh, I would like to ask if you can do uh, a podcast on recovery, not from competitions, but as normal day-to-day recovery. What are some things to look out for, especially for those who are starting out at triathlon like myself? Uh, big love from Brazil. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, Gabe asking about day-to-day recovery. Uh, thoughts about that? Okay, so obviously, you know, if you're a beginner, then, you know, the first thing you got you got to realize here is <laughs> try not to compare yourself too much to people who are doing it a long time. Um, because naturally, you know, you're not going to have those adaptations there that, that allow you to, to recover as quick as, as someone who's, you know, advanced in the sport and has been doing it a long time. Um, so 
just first of all, just just give cutting yourself some slack because if you if you feel really tired after session, you feel a bit uh, run down, and then you know then you are. Um, and regardless of what other people are doing, uh, you know, triathlon can be quite an egocentric sport where you've got you know people bragging about the amount of hours they've done. Um, it's actually just just cut yourself a bit of slack and say, look, is this sustainable to me? You know, there's, there's so many things that that affect your recovery. Um, you know, as as we just discussed in you know, the previous question, uh, you know, the amount of time you got available. So, you know, obviously, if you're a beginner with a lot of time available, then then you can really maximize your recovery. You can make sure you're getting that the nutrition in. You can make sure you're sleeping enough, um, and you can really make the you know a productive use of your time. But if you, if you're a beginner who's who's working, then uh, just remember that that, that life stress is is going to have an impact on on actually what you're doing in your training as well. Um, so it's really just about as a beginner how much recovery you should be taking is you know as much as you feel you need to take to to get the most out of your sessions so if your sessions are struggling if you're you know if you're turning up to sessions you know really fatigued you know in in triathlon there is an element of of fatigue uh, anyway depending on how many hours you're doing but actually if you're turning up to sessions fatigued then then you're probably not recovered enough especially for a beginner and you should be seeing that you should be seeing a fairly quick progression as a beginner you know because because there's a lot to learn and you know obviously you improve very very fast because because you know you're making all those changes uh you know in a very short amount of time i think a couple of, of this uh first of all if you're a beginner and are turning up to sessions tired quite often have a look at what you're doing in training actually are you constantly training a bit too hard uh, that's a very common mistake uh, but then, as it relates to what he's he's asking about the normal day-to-day recovery, so so not specific uh, to to recovering from competitions, but I, I guess like keep things simple. The the number one recovery tool that we have is, is sleep. So getting enough sleep, and that's not just for triathlon; it's for even just uh, being sharp in the workplace. It, it's so important, and there's so much fascinating uh, research about that. Uh, the other thing is, as you mentioned already, general stress management. But I, I think that if your general, if your sleep is is good, if you manage to get in eight hours of sleep, and this is individual, some athletes get by well on seven hours per night, some need nine or ten, or even persons, it doesn't have to be athletes. So it's quite individual. But it, like seven is usually touted as that that minimum number that that you should get. So, so I would say that if, if you manage to get in your sleep, and especially if you wake up, you can wake up feeling recovered without an alarm, that, that I think is quite an, an interesting and important exercise to do for anybody who wants to see how they're doing recovery-wise. Then that generally means that overall stress-wise as well, you're doing fairly well because if you're under a ton of stress and, and you're just having too much general stress, then uh, then you are likely to have experienced poor sleep, maybe difficulties falling asleep or waking up a lot during the middle of the night, not getting enough sleep, etc. So, so I think that if you have that sleep puzzle falling into place, then a lot of other pieces have already done so. And, and then I guess the the other thing, like if we, what what, what are some really simple nutrition tips that you would give to a to a beginner who's not uh, like super performance oriented yet, just getting into the sport, but and we don't want to overcomplicate things, but but what would be the the big rocks for when it comes to nutrition in terms of recovery for beginners. So the key thing would be, like you just said, don't overcomplicate things. Uh, so that that's that's the that's a good point. Um, so obviously, you know, a beginner coming into triathlon will see all these different diets, all these different recommendations, so many different products. You know, actually, 
don't don't overcompensate don't overcomplicate things. Um, all you need to do is you need to make sure you're getting that recovery in. So you're getting a decent balanced diet. You're getting you're getting the protein in. You're getting enough carbohydrates. You know, you're getting you're getting the fats you need. Um, and you know, I wouldn't actually think of that as as something that's too complicated. I just go well, you know, general balanced diet is is my diet healthy? Am I am I am I getting all of these you know general things that you know you're recommended to get? Are you getting your five a day of fruit and veg? You know. Uh, all those the basic things and you know if you can tick them off you know because if you're a beginner you're not you're not going to be training a huge amount um you know especially as you get to begin with um you know it depends how how ambitious you are and how much you're ramping up your training but you know it's just just don't don't do anything too complicated just 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 treat it as you know be sensible don't follow any radical diet plans especially if you're a beginner um just just keep it at a low level um, and make sure that you're eating a balanced diet of, of everything you need. And, and for around timing, I, I would say that even if, as you said, the the golden window for recovery nutrition it becomes more important when you are advanced and training a lot. Definitely. That said, I wouldn't recommend a beginner to train in the morning and then wait five hours until lunch before they have something. That I, I would say, try to get in something. Uh, try, if, if possible, try to time your training to your meal so that your training. Uh, and then you're having black breakfast or you're training and then you're having lunch or you're training and then you're having dinner if that's if that's possible or just as if if that's not possible just have have something after your session before your next uh, big meal well, well why make it more complicated than it needs to be like you said you know I mean, you want to make it as simple as possible so yeah before meals is is a great idea you know before before uh, before breakfast uh, you know don't get hung up on on fasted training you know if if you're a beginner um you know, just making sure you got you got the fuel that you need for for the exercise. You know, if you're a beginner, you won't be doing huge amounts of training. So, actually, you know, fueling for individual workouts becomes becomes less specific. Um, it's just about getting in the amount of food you need per per exercise. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about about shakes and things. Uh, you know, unless you're doing something something really really intense uh, that you feel you know you need you need a massive benefit. I would just be focusing on you know just just getting in that protein and, and those carbohydrates post session as soon as possible because you know you want to recover as soon as possible not just for a training perspective just for a daily life perspective you want to be you want to be on it for your job as well um or, or whatever you do with your day um so yeah although the golden window becomes becomes less less important it's just making sure that you know you're doing everything you can to be to be efficient and just just not taking it overboard so not not being not going mad on it, but but just making sure that you know you're doing everything you can that that makes it makes it easier. Really, you don't need to do anything special. Just just be just be smart. Just think about the timing. You know, plan out plan out your when you're going to eat a bit more than than just um, you know having a run session at you know nine a.m. and waiting like you say until until one p.m. to eat because you know <laughs> that's far too long. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's, yeah, yeah. I think the the other things that we should tackle and uh, let tell me if you don't agree, but but other things that are put under the general recovery umbrella, things like uh, compression, uh, cold ice baths, or uh, things like that, e- even things like uh, yeah, well, let's let's put it at, uh, leave it at those, but compression and, and ice baths and other things that that you might think of that you can put in in that same uh, same same category. Uh, don't worry about that at all. Like your day to day recovery, it's uh, the sleep is the main thing, and then uh, then nutrition and stress uh, stress management. I, I would say are the the big things, and, and 
everything else is just unnecessary at this point to, to even worry about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I keep saying, why make it more complicated than it needs to be? I mean, my only my only hesitation would be, you know, if you're a beginner, then, you know, especially if you're beginners are running, the odds are you're having some some pain in your legs, uh, your calves might be hurting uh, a bit. So, you know, things like compression might help out, out there, but, you know, but don't go, don't go mad on it. Um, yeah, just, just simple things will, will help, will help, you know, get through. Why make it more complicated? You know, the better you get, the more those marginal gains become, become important. Um, but, you know, when you're starting, focus on the things that are going to make a big difference before you focus on the little things that, you know, are going to make those one, two percent differences. Sleep's going to make a massive difference. Ice baths, you know, debatable how much difference they're going to make, um, if any. I mean, there's there's plenty of research out there that says that actually, you know, those ice baths are actually uh, actually slowing down your ad- adaptation. You know, don't and you know that's the same for a lot of things. Um, so, such as you know, we mentioned diet. Uh, a lot of those diets are are you know the, you read about are debatable. Uh, you know, there's the research either way. So, just just take your time and. And just do what what's important and the the key things before you start taking off those those one two percent uh, gains. Definitely. All right. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, this was uh, really great, and uh, hope to have you on for some future Q and A sessions because uh, this was I, re- I really enjoyed doing it this way. Yeah. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, look forward to discussing with you again. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I really did, and I think it adds a lot to have two people discussing around these things rather than just me rambling on from time to time. So I really want to do this uh, again and make this more of a regular feature on the Q&As. And also one thing that I want to mention just as a as a bit of a side note, uh, as you probably know, I am self-coached currently, uh, but I have been sort of looking at getting a coach uh, because I just think that I don't have the time to properly, really properly coach myself. And uh, I'm getting a bit stressed out about that sometimes because I just work quite a lot and try to train a lot as well and, and try to fit in a bit of a social life sometimes. So uh, it's it's a challenge to say the least and having somebody take care of my training, that would definitely ease the burden a little bit. And I found somebody and I will definitely announce that publicly because it's probably somebody that you will know, uh, but we're only going to start in October so what I thought that I would do in the meantime to have at least some sort of, of help uh, to take the burden off my my own plate and, and also have some accountability was that uh, I hired James to help me out with, with my training on a, on a consulting basis. And, and we've had our first consulting call and I've got some really great insights and feedback that I will use uh, going into my key races for the uh, late summer season. So those races would be Ironman 7.3 Worlds and uh, Ironman 7.3 uh, Cascais here in Portugal. So by the way, if you're going to any of those races, uh, you can email me and uh, maybe we can catch up after the race that uh, would be would be kind of fun to have a that triathlon show meetup. So anyway, just wanted to to mention that that James sort of uh, is my consultant coach at at the moment, which uh, I really enjoy and and I'm glad that he has time because of course he's very busy, uh, pretty much fully booked with with his athlete and and then training at a at an elite level. Of course, takes a lot of time. So that's a wrap for today. Be sure to tune in on Monday when I interview Professor Andy Jones, 
who is most well known for his uh, research in uh, beetroot and uh, nitrate, but he has done a lot of work and we talk a lot about things like the Breaking 2 project and his work with the two best marathoners in history, Paula Radcliffe and Eliud Kipchoge. Uh, and he's the only person who's been involved with both of them. So he's got great experience in applied uh, sports science as well as the uh, the academic side of things. Definitely an interview worth listening to. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And before we go, big, big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Take 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. And Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Take a free online sweat test to get your individual hydration strategy and get your first box or tube of precision hydration electrolytes for free with the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. And don't forget to send in those questions for the, the Q&A on hydration with hydration expert Andy Below, founder of Precision Hydration. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.